0: All right, welcome, welcome. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here. So today I'm joined by Cody Carroll. He's another faculty member here in the MSDS program. So he's here with me to talk with two of our graduating students graduating tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Thanks. So yeah, thanks thanks for being here. So I think uh, first let's just have both of you introduce yourselves a little mm-hmm.
1: bit. Yeah. So hi, I'm Rushal and uh, I'm from Cohort Eleven. I'm excited to be graduating tomorrow and. I'm super excited to be on this podcast because when this podcast started, I just thought to myself that how great would it be if I'm ever invited. And yeah, today I'm here talking to my two favorite professors and oh, one of my that's favorite that's classmates also. Nice. Feeling good. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank <laughs> yes.
2: you. Yeah,
3: thanks, thanks Rushal. Um, so hey, I'm Guru. I'm also part of the same cohort as Rushal is and I'm glad to be here and talking and chatting with Cody and Robert, yeah. Yeah,
2: it's great to have you both. So were either of you in the Bay Area before coming to the program and starting, or did you make the move?
3: Yeah, I don't think we we are both from India, so we just arrived in the Bay Area for the program. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the shift from India to uh, San Francisco has been... A little challenging in the beginning. Sure. Like a lot of things, especially the weather, it's really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we I both agree. come from like a really warm, warm place. Weather. Yes. So getting used to this was really uh, <laughs> yeah. challenging, I would say. But the program and then the staff, uh, the faculty have been really welcoming. So yes, I agree. it's pretty good.
1: Yeah. For me, the move, like I moved from India to Portland post my wedding. And I stayed in Portland for three months. And then the move to SF was exciting. And I was anxious because Portland is very safe and beautiful. But here I had heard so many uh, like crime stories and everything. So yeah, Mm -hmm. but with the amazing program director like Diane and Aya and Aline and all the faculty the things were very easy because uh, whatever queries, questions I had, they were always there to answer. So, oh. yeah. And the most exciting part of the shift was the road trip from Portland until San Francisco, which was 12 hours. Right. Yeah. yeah. Where, so that was... Where great. did you
0: go through? Like, Which route did you take?
1: So we took... We did not take the 101 route because we had this whole uh, U-Haul with the car behind right, us. Right, right. It's a nightmare. So, yeah, did, yeah. But yeah, uh, we we drove across the mountains. And then when I crossed the Oregon border, I was welcomed by the barren landscape. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm not liking it. But yeah, uh, yeah in a few months, all of this just grew on me. And I think I love it here. Nice. <laughs> yes.
0: nice, I'm glad you brought up the sort of um, concern with what you've heard about SF. Because that's something that I thought about actually after the last interview that we did on Tuesday, which is there are students who are coming here from outside of the area. I've never been here before. There is a lot of, you know, press, bad press about the city. So has any, you know, um, is that how you've experienced SF since you've been here over the last year or is it different than what you were expecting?
1: So yes, I expected it to be a lot more unsafe reading about all the incidents, but luckily where we are living, like we are living in San Leandro, that's that's a small city and it's very safe. SF has not been that bad as compared to what I read and saw on the news. All I can say is you just need to keep your eyes and ears open and I think you'll be good. But I think maybe Guru has a different experience because Um, he's been living in Mission, which is... Yeah, I live (laughs) live in
3: the heart of the city. So (laughs) it's been great. Uh, As Ruchel kind of mentioned, so the news and then the media is quite sensational, I would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They definitely (laughs) boost up those views by (laughs) projecting a different uh, viewpoint. But I think there is some concern. You definitely need to be a little, you know... Prepared and cautious. Yeah. But not it's not gonna be like a big impact on your day to day life. Right. There are quite a few bad spots, but San Francisco is just another city, I would say. Yes. Yeah. Right. Every city is gonna have like Sometimes. their shady spaces and you know, where light doesn't, you know, reach a lot. Yes. But yeah. definitely I think my experience being in the mission has been quite lively. I've I thought that I would miss home. Uh, but mission has been really friendly. They have a very good vibrant community and like commutable to the university and I've never felt unsafe, but caveat, I am a large man. Right, uh, sure. So maybe you are, you're almost seven
0: feet tall. right? Yeah.
3: So maybe I am a bit more threatening than the other people are threatening to me. So sure. that's definitely there, but yeah, I think you can dismiss that with maybe just a, some salt for caution. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah totally. I think, that's my experience too i was kind of like where where do i move right i don't know and then you know you find a good niche and you're like okay things are fine here and then really what matters is that spot where you hang out and then how you get to work right so i take the train from i'm in like castor valley right now um do both of you commute by train or do you drive or yeah hmm? uh, we
1: i think both of us come in yeah both we both commute by bart bart yeah
3: Yeah. yeah so and again but has been said that oh it's unsafe yeah, um I don't maybe you know not clean etc cetera, etc cetera. but I, I don't find it that bad
1: yeah. it is slightly bad yeah most of the time like uh, so there is in the media, it is they say they say that India is not a clean country. But after, oh, yeah. after commuting in BART for like almost a year, I can say India is doing much better in that space. <laughs> I would
3: definitely agree. Yeah. yeah. So so my partner says that the BART here is worse or even as bad as some of the local trains back in India. And again, I think it just adds to the allure that it feels like home. So <laughs> yeah, So I don't feel you know out of place here at all. Yes,
1: so.
0: I agree. Well, I'm, so I've been here in this area for ten years, right? Mm-hmm. And so I mean, I don't live in the city. You know, I live in a small beach town. So mm-hmm. sure, my experience is a little bit different. But you know, anytime I have, and I've worked in the city a lot, and I you know I come into the city um, quite frequently, and so. You know, it I just feel like it's it's good to ease some fears of people who are just completely unfamiliar with the area. Yeah. And then also, like you said, those articles are all written for a reason. Yeah, you know, they've uh, all got a very specific yes. oh, intention. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so sure, like I click on the ones about Texas every once in a oh, while. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah
2: that, I can speak to that, right. That's something for sure. For me, moving well. Texas and then where I was in in Davis also both very hot places moving yeah. here and having mm-hmm. to get used to the colder weather but it is it's it always is so funny like you know the press about Texas or here or whatever it's like I go to these places and I'm like it's not that different right is yeah. it different? <laughs> it's, it's never different. which is you know maybe I'm just not going to the places where all the the news is happening but right. that's probably a good strategy right
0: You stay out of the Tenderloin, right? Right, right. And you'll
3: be okay here. Yeah. There's this two-block area that you probably don't want to step in after the sun's down. But, Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Unless you're there for a reason. Unless you're there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But
1: uh, Tenderloin has one of, few of the best Indian and Pakistani restaurants. Oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I've been there once or twice. And again, I would say, not that bad.
0: Can we (laughs) we name drop it? What is it?
1: The restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. Pakwan. I remember one. Oh, I've yeah. heard of it. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. Pakwan is pretty good. It's yeah. it's I think a really good biryani. Yeah. Oh, nice. So pretty good fun. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah
1: like if you're really craving for that oily indian food it's a must-go place
2: <laughs> i've been to um in mission actually i think it's like udupi palace Oh,
3: udupi palace yeah. is, is the best yeah. i live a block down from it i oh i, can... I loved it oh my god oh, yeah. amazing that's my very... <laughs> that's where
2: i go yeah yes.
1: and yeah what yeah what uh, surprised me is that uh like a lot of non-indian people love the indian food yes because yeah. i saw a lot of uh, like I don't know how to say it, like, like yeah, non-Indian people in Indian restaurants. So that mm-hmm. really makes me happy that, oh, the Indian yeah. cuisine is so... We, we just
3: rope them in with the spice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotta have the spice. Speaking yes. my
2: language. And then also super veggie friendly, right? Yes. So that's a big yes. appeal, you know. Yes,
3: yeah. Yeah, speaking about food, I think, yeah, SF is pretty good in terms of having good options for food. I agree. And you'll never miss... It has a lot of cultural pockets as well, like, yeah. you know, Indian food, Korean food, a lot of, a lot of these, yeah. um, mm-hmm.
1: Japanese food, yes. and Ethiopian food, Brazilian food, you name it and they have it. Yeah. yeah.
3: Right. Right.
1: And Mission has one of the best Mexican restaurants. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh right. yeah. Yes.
2: Mexica- uh, the Mexican and Mission is, is really nice. Yes. I mean, it's, yes. it's not, it's different style from Texas, but you know, it's still, it still right. is, it's just as good. Right.
1: Yes. Very
2: mm-hmm. okay, cool. Well. Yes. Do either of you have a car? Do you need a car to get around the bay? What do you think about that?
1: Yes. Yes. So most of the area is accessible by BART and Caltrain and everything. But then if you are going on an excursion or you want to go for hiking or just explore the outer areas of the city, then Mm -hmm. you do need a car. And yeah, I didn't have a car when I landed here. But yeah, my husband has a car. So yeah, it's convenient for us then like if we want to make grocery runs or go to Costco or some, you know, like grocery store, which sells things in bulk, then I think yeah car yeah. is needed but otherwise uh but if you're staying in the city then mm-hmm. you don't need a car because yeah. first of all parking issues yes and then <laughs> uh yeah and then people just break into the car i haven't experienced it but again i've heard yeah so and if you have a car do not leave anything out in the yeah. open which is visible from the glasses right
0: know, yeah windows. yeah yeah i think it's pretty general good advice in most cities Uh my, my car's never been ruined into either in the city, and I actually don't know anybody who's has, but still, anytime we do drive into the city and park, we yeah, make sure yes. there's nothing in there.
3: So. Yes, yeah. yes. I've
2: never had it happen. The only time, two of my friends have had it happen, but it's, it's always like at the Fox Theater in Oakland. <laughs> Just <laughs> that, that same <laughs> yeah. spot. I'm like, okay, this is yeah. not where you want to park. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. but I think as a racial trend, right, so you typically don't need a car if you're in the city, and like every area is pretty much accessible. You have Muni, you have Bat. It's also walkable a lot if mm-hmm. you're into that, but yeah. yeah, I don't have a car. I don't miss having a car, Yeah. but getting out of the city, like getting out of SF, let's say, unless you are going to a place which is also connected by BART or Caltrain, mm-hmm. maybe you would want to consider having a car. Yeah. yeah. But again, as a student, I've been using Zipcar. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of those, you know, rentable, rentable cars that you have definitely yeah. a god godsend, but have you tried the autonomous cars yet? Oh yeah. Speaking yeah. of
1: oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I would love to talk about that. Yeah, for yeah. Guru, you said. So Rusha
3: is super excited because <laughs> yeah. she's she's a veteran. I think she has her uh, ten plus rides on cruise. No, no, no,
1: no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, no, because I live in San Leandro.
3: <laughs> oh right, right. Oh yeah. So quick plug-in maybe. So USF has a tie-up with cruise. Mm-hmm. So we as students get uh like free access to cruise up until May. I think maybe they might extend it. I don't know, but it's pretty cool. I've, I've driven around in the cruise, maybe a handful of times. I've gotten my family take a ride into it. Like I took my mom the other day and she was, uh, not impressed. She's like, okay, <laughs> it's just a car. It's driving around. I've, I've read about it. And <laughs> I was the one who was geeking out. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, know, I mean, you know how it works, right? Yeah, so. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's pretty cool. And you can get on the wait- no wait list for Waymo. It, it's it's fun. You can have yeah. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. So we have Waymo Cruise and Zooks And uh, I have seen all three driving through the streets of SF. The first time I saw it, I was like, wow, like what I'm studying, I can see the real uh, application of it. Like this is just, I was like, I want to work with these companies. Yeah. Yeah, So if anyone is hearing me, please consider.
2: (laughs) (laughs) A nice part. Yeah. yeah, And I would support that.
1: (laughs) So then I got to try cruise uh, and uh, I sat in the car. Only three people were allowed. We sat, they had like cameras recording us. We were supposed to wear the seat belts. Without it, it wouldn't move. Then it started to drive. And the way it was driving, it was like almost a human is driving it. Oh, yeah. But then it is a machine after all. Mm. And so it did make one slight error where it was not supposed to cross the yellow line. And it did. But uh, there were many people who were trying to test it, whether it's, you know, will it stop if someone comes in front? So, yeah, we experienced people randomly coming in front of it (laughs) and doing things like that. But (laughs) there it was really good. The response was quick. It stopped. But uh, but again, since uh, a human is not driving, so right now it does not have that. It can experience of a human driver so Mm -hmm. it was driving pretty slowly like where I would have reached from 363 to Embarcadero in like uh, less than 10 minutes if Mm -hmm. if with a human driver but with a cruise it took like 10 to 12 minutes oh but otherwise it 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 did great and to sit and actually experience and like yeah I was too geeking out because I knew what is happening on the back end Mm -hmm. it was amazing yeah yeah super cool Yes. I
0: haven't ridden one, one yet, have you? N- I, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I feel I'd, I'd be comfortable in yeah, I would, within the it. city limits. For sure, I just haven't. Um, I don't want to get on a freeway, it, honestly.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're allowed on a freeway. I mean, no, they're not. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, It so, only drives inside the city, city. and I think yeah. it's only after sundown. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right. From yeah. 9
1: right to 5, 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. I gotcha.
3: Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yes. Yeah, But yeah, I think my experience is quite different from Rochelle. I found that the cruise drove almost human-like for example it disengages the brakes the moment it sees the pedestrian lights turn on mm. uh, before it turns green so it's getting ready to get accelerated so yeah it's yes. it's it's um, mm. more human-like and it does a lot of you know spot decisions to avoid obstacles and it's yeah. really cool like yeah, I can just... I can talk about it for a long time yeah. <laughs> it does, yeah. I'm just sure.
1: Like yeah very cool like yeah, I, I don't know. Like, AI is making everything possible.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's super safe. So <laughs> yeah, so safe. just uh, last week, so during uh, Cinco de Mayo, there was a roadshow down on Mission. Mm. And then a Waymo got stuck because people were walking across the road. It was a roadshow. So they had like right. a mm. the block, you know, cordoned off. And then I think a Waymo just got lost. It wasn't supposed to be there. And it got stuck. And nobody could do anything because right. you can't override it. The oh, no. passenger inside cannot, you no, know, he cannot override it, nor yeah. does the operator anywhere else. Yeah. Because the safety mechanism just indicates that, oh, there are Stop people there. around, right. the car should not move. Right. right. Yes. And it didn't move. Like, they had a bunch of, you know, police officers standing around trying to clear the yeah. situation, but Figure the roadshow got <laughs> blocked, and it was like, such a bummer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's funny, the Waymo joins the roadshow. Yeah, yeah it, right. it, was, it was
3: supposed to be a a huge convoy of vintage cars and, you know, mm. those lowriders that no. Mission is famous for. Right, yeah. right. Uh, but then the whole convoy was blocked by this, you know, modern technology. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: okay. Right. yeah. okay, I thought you were talking about a sideshow. Oh, yeah. like this the spinning car. Yeah, the illegal ones where,
2: yeah. Oh,
3: no, this wasn't like a legal one. No, no.
0: It was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I realized I was thinking about the same thing. Okay, Yeah, like
2: yeah. in no, the, no. the
0: ones in... Well... Um...
1: So, uh... oh,
0: yeah, another thing that uh, future students could look forward to the yeah. the illegal side shows in Oakland and San oh, Francisco. Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. The areas which you should totally avoid to live are Tenderloin, Oakland, and especially <laughs> the area around West Oakland and downtown Oakland. These yeah. are the areas to be avoided for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, there are the, there are some pockets in Oakland like, um, <laughs> yes. Jacklin is oh, for pretty sure. good. And like, you yeah, know, there's but yeah, yeah, yeah. there. I think it's just like like you were mentioning, just yeah. little little areas are like mm. yeah. It, and it's also it depends on what you're acclimated to, right? Yes, yes, Some people yes. could be like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. This is normal. I'm used to this. But, you know, it's it's you know, hard to say with, with you know, if you don't know the audience. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. <laughs> That's true. I, I agree. Yeah. And uh, talking about Cruise, Waymo, and Zoops, the autonomous cars. Uh, so we had the subject on ethics and data science. Mm-hmm. And I happened to see some like the series uh, where there was an accident due to an autonomous car and then the case was taken to the courtroom and then it was all about whose mistake is it Mm. is the ceo answerable oh right the passenger in it answerable or will will you just put that car into jail like who's answerable
3: (laughs) i would say the person who trained the model because (laughs) that person designed the technology maybe he should have been more he or she should have been more careful about
1: no it. i mean the car was very careful it stopped as soon as soon as saw a human but then there was another car from behind which hit it and then the, that oh. car hit the human but then who how will you prove it
2: oh right
1: yeah, yeah. But, uh, but the chaos was around that the human cannot make the mistake it's the car the Car, mm. the driverless car that made the mistake and since we were studying the de- ethics and data science so yeah. that got me a lot into thinking that who's responsible yeah yeah that's quite a, interesting
2: definitely an interesting question yes. um are, are either of you for i guess either your kind of personal work or your practicums are either of you working with these kinds of any sort of machine learning or ai that could be either connect to these driverless cars or the ethics involved
1: mm no 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 your
2: practicum is kind of different
1: yeah yeah, yeah the yeah. data set i'm working with is public so i don't think oh any, cool yeah there's no ethical yeah. issues with it
2: Just so there's just uh the nice uh, you know the the open data is a nice kind yeah. of yes ethic to promote but um yes. yeah, yeah yeah very cool. cool yeah
3: speaking of ethics and uh practicum so i don't work on uh anything related to autonomous vehicles, but I do work with something really sensitive. So my practicum is at Carbon Health. So we mm-hmm. deal with, you know, health data, patient data, in something which is really, really sensitive. So yes. you can't really... Yeah. So there are a lot of guidelines like HIPAA is there mm-hmm. and quite a lot of, you know, legal frameworks designed to protect the privacy mm-hmm. and ethical use of data around, you know, patients. Mm-hmm. I found it really interesting because signing on to the practicum was a big journey in itself and you had a lot of paperwork to go through. But the core problem that I'm trying to solve is to get uh, a recommendation solution to, you know, suggest potential reasons that a patient might want to visit Carbon Health for. And this was a user journey that was not on their platform and we want to introduce it and how do we build a solution around it. And the journey has been nice. Like, I got alone a lot in that and the ethics around it is always in question so whenever i want to access some data set or yes. mm-hmm. even just take a quick peek at some report that was derived using some other data set i had to get a lot of authority you no know, authorizations and right, permissions
2: clears and
3: yeah and the data governance around it is really really critical so there are so many other applications of ethics around you know working for xyz applications but you should always have this uh, privacy and ethics in mind so. totally
2: yeah it was it was the same when i worked at the bank right like mm-hmm. you could only have access to this and if you needed access to that you really had to have a reason yeah. otherwise right. you're just gonna yeah. let let it hang out over there and you like, know, i don't know about it yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i was in healthcare before too right and so it was the same there every little every you know schema you want to have access to mm-hmm. you need You need to get somebody's permission. Yeah. And then, of course, we partnered with teams in India and Ireland. And the data that they could see was very different than what I could see. Mm -hmm. Like, I could see, you know, once I had access, of course, I could see everything, you know. Mm. But they could not. So, they had to have their own views Mm -hmm. of the data. And uh, so, it was completely kind of walled off, you know. So, the Mm -hmm. things that I could see was walled off. And then uh, the Ireland team, the Indian team, they would have, Yeah an entire separate environment that Mm. they could see where a lot of the data was masked or it just wasn't there at all
3: yeah be de-anonymized data is also a really big challenge to work with i think you know first of all anonymizing the data is also difficult then you have to kind of deal with or maybe is it possible to de-anonymize it using some of the techniques you know inadvertently right maybe you don't know people can kind of work around it so that's a whole area in itself, I would say.
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, maybe for for your problem, right? You're trying to recommend things. What what type of tools or machine learning methods are you using for that?
3: So the solution that we kind of devised was two stages. So the first thing was because we don't have a web flow that actively is present right now. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to come up with a POC kind of an approach where... Let's say I can come up with some data-driven heuristic mm-hmm. to suggest top k recommendations. So, oh, okay. based on frequent clinics that you visit, or maybe you are a you are a patient who logged on to our website, searched around a few symptoms, or maybe some something that you potentially want to book an appointment for, but you logged off. Right. Uh, maybe you don't have the time to do that right now, or maybe your time doesn't. Play well with the availabilities in the clinics right now. Anything like that, we try to resuggest that or, you know, suggest options which are most frequently booked in the clinic or people like you. So there are different stages that you can, you know, segment it based on. Yeah. yeah. So the top two segments that I currently work was one for the location. So we have different clinics. So what could we potentially suggest to people who are landing into our clinic pages for the first time? So there was one. Approach. The other one was basically visits, right? So you visited and then you got back. Maybe you want to book the same thing that you searched before. So Mm -hmm. that can basically just be a quick speed up of the process. So that was the other thing that we wanted to test out. And once we had these POCs, we wanted to move on to the experimentation stage, because testing it out is gonna give us a lot of metrics that we can, you know, sell to business saying, right now this is not there, but maybe introducing this is gonna have a better UX for the customer. So we wanted to go into the experiments, and that's where it is right now. Maybe after that, we will fine tune all of this, and then work out all the kinks, and then deploy it. Sure.
2: sure. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, are you doing like A/B testing or things like that, or just?
3: Um. So, right now we are talking with the experimentation team to mm. try to set it up. It's it's a process. Right. I would of say course. it's a process. <laughs> and again, touching upon healthcare and. Also to mention, this is a startup, so things move really, really quickly. Yes. And by really, really quickly, the priorities also change really, really yeah. quickly. Yeah. So it's, a, it's a process. So the, the thing is we are trying to get the engineering teams and the tech teams to coordinate with us, to see if we can do an A B test around this, mm. we're designing the metrics around it, see what we can capture and, uh, let's see whether the recommendation solution is better or not. Yeah. And that's the goal. Very cool. Yeah. 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 On the
2: other hand, right? Yeah, you've got a very different yeah. Um, yeah. practicum. Where you don't have yeah. the difficulty of different <laughs> walls around data, yes. open yes. data source. Let's yeah. talk about that.
1: So first, when I joined my practicum, the first question I asked them was, do I have to sign an NDA? Is the data set open or not? And like, can I discuss about my project publicly? Yeah. So the questions, the answer to all these questions was yes. So that was exciting because then I can publicize about the work I'm doing. Yeah. So I work with the Stanford graduate school of business with the data analytics and research computing center. And my work involved uh, with the parsing the documents, especially specifically the equal employment reports, all these reports are publicly available. And we had to like with all the data, uh, we had to acquire the data and then using the modern deep learning tools like layout parser which is based on meta's detectron2 i had to uh, build automatic automated pipelines which could detect the tables in that documents because that documents has a lot of data and we don't need mm-hmm. all of that sure and after we detect those tables we are supposed to extract the text and numbers out of it and then uh, process it through the nlp techniques to kind of have a question answering chatbot. Like suppose I give it a question that how many women work in the administrative position in Amazon? So it will give me an answer like two. And then through this, we can figure out that whether that particular organization is following their diversity, equality and inclusion policy or not. Wow. So yeah, so I was excited to work on this project and I think I have achieved 90% of my goals and where I have been able to build uh, build deep learning pipelines to detect the tables and using this OCR tool by Amazon, it's called Amazon Textract. I was able to acquire all the text and numbers from the detected tables into CSV files and now I, the next step is to build uh, NLP pipelines to have this kind of a question-answering chatbot. And
2: yeah, cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the NLP and large language models, these are the hype words these days. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, <laughs> working on this project has been really exciting where like and they plan to build a website where people can give the question have these answers and then they can look in the organizations can look into their uh like like how many people more they need to hire in a particular like uh is there like to avoid gender bias or mm-hmm. some race bias or right. or to overall avoid the discrimination totally. so yeah it's kind of, you can say a social impact of ai yeah, so yeah it's yeah. exciting
2: and like um a transparency effort yes. yeah yeah that's awesome yeah that's really really cool I think both of so, both of your practicums sound like, you know, designed to help people. Right. Yes. It's <laughs> yeah. a nice I think oh, it's another nice thing about um, the practicums that Victor and, and Robert find is a lot of them, you know, it's very, it goes very well with USF, right? Always trying to help people and kind of, you know, make some social impact. Yes. So. Was there any particular things in your courses that you found to be super, super instrumental in your practicums or on the other hand? Was there something that you had to learn on your own on the practicum that wasn't covered in the courses?
1: Okay. So I don't have a computer science background. Mm-hmm. so And I started coding with Python like just two, three years back. Mm-hmm. And I did not have experience with Linux systems. So I would say the coursework helped me to build on the basics with the Python programming, get a lot of hands-on experience with the things like lists, dictionaries, strings, because a lot of that is required in yeah. any base build you're building any basic pipeline you require all of that then i had no experience with linux command line simple commands and all of that so in during the boot camp in diane's class we got to have a hands-on with the command line tools so that was a very instrumental because in my practicum i work with uh, linux servers so uh, so these were the, and yeah uh, also the eda class was very important before we started the practicum because you have to do data visualization and uh, those things but uh, the things that were not covered before i started my practicum were some knowledge around deep learning models but but i had some prior work experience in that so that was not that much an issue but then fine tuning it was like was something i had to learn In my practicum, which was exciting because I got to learn something new. Uh, Yeah, these other things were, as we were covering in class, all that knowledge was transferable to what I was doing in my practicum, especially building, creating new environments, storing all the libraries that you need in a YAML file. And then you can just give that file to your mentor and she can create that environment and your notebooks and everything will run. So yeah, the knowledge was transferable.
0: Awesome.
3: Yeah um i would agree with rushal here so i think eda course was really really important getting to play around with an unknown data set and then trying to see interesting patterns around it yeah. is definitely helpful so i think you can transfer a lot of those learnings onto any practicum i would say not just my practicum yeah. but apart from eda and then the things that rushal touched upon I think which was really important in my practicum was uh data systems, basically distributed data systems, where we got to learn how to handle like a huge amount of data, kind of automate and build data pipelines using Airflow. So that was really useful. So I got to do that. I also got to learn something called DBT on my practicum, which was not exactly covered in my coursework up until that point. But learning Airflow was, you know, useful. And DPT, if you get to learn it at some point, it's basically, basically just SQL. So just trying to rebrand it into different uh, concepts is what the world is all about. But yeah, other than that, experimentation was definitely great, you know, uh, transfer learning from what we got in the coursework. So I hadn't worked on anything in the industry setting in experimentation. Uh, we did do like a huge project for the AB testing class about something similar, but maybe not as, as, as exhaustive as we, what, what we did for the project is what I'm doing in the practicum right now. And the, the thing is when you are a student, you get to do end to end of the experiment, but in a practicum setting, maybe you get to design the experiment and then define metrics and what to collect. Maybe there are other people to help you out maybe there aren't but getting to know the entire process is definitely useful so that was definitely one major highlight i would say from the coursework to the practicum yeah, yeah. and
1: okay. other things i would like to highlight is that in the coursework uh, we are taught in the class and then we are given assignments for which we have to think and like apply what we are taught so the the capability to think analyze i was able to tra- transfer that to my practicum where Like with my mentor, I just had a basic discussion and then I had to kind of think and analyze things on my own. So I got to build that intuition from the coursework and assignments I did in class. Because then I kind of built a base that, okay, this is how you're supposed to handle any machine learning or uh, anything related to AI. Because like machine learning, deep learning, almost are kind of similar things, just different libraries you are using. So, (laughs) and the other thing that I got to learn in my practicum was using high power computing systems, high performance uh, computing systems, where I also did some GPU parallel processing, which Mm -hmm. was quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: that's definitely, I mean, depends on your job, it depends where you end up, but that could be a really big uh, you either absolutely have to have that or maybe it's not super relevant yes, but yes, it's yes. V- it's very polarizing <laughs> yes okay this is maybe heard this question asked from students that I interview that are prospective students right mm-hmm. when when I'm meeting them to see if they come here it's um how did how does the process work when you try to pick a practicum right how do you do you have some say in it or how did you guys end up um picking the practicums that you ended up at
3: so i think the process was streamlined and I would say really well organized. First of all, I would say that having a practicum pro- program, you know, integrated with the course is really, really advantageous. Like looking back is when I realize right now we're in the job hunt phase. So getting this practicum, you know, as part of the coursework, as part of the program itself is really, really advantageous. Like people have to have some industry experience to get into it. That being said, uh, getting into your practicum is going to be a really stressful week definitely <laughs> it's it's going to be a lot of moving parts you have to make a lot of tough decisions but at the end of the day i would say you do have a lot of say in the practicum that you end up at uh, there is a process of shortlisting your top choices there is a pitch week where all the companies that are available to choose will do a short pitch of what you might be working on you get to pick and choose the projects the people that you get to work with the technologies maybe that interest you and then you have to basically do a rank ordering of them right. and you give your list and then there is this process of trying to match your list with your profile your preferences and also you it's a competition right it's it's not it doesn't feel like an actual job hunt but It is a job hunt. Mm -hmm. So I would say that I was very lucky that I got my choice. Sometimes some people are, you know, left feeling a little unlucky, but if you, if they look back, maybe they will feel that their choice is what they actually got. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, summing up, I would say, make your choices really, you know, count. I would say that definitely helps. And also choose projects that you might be really a good fit for, that Mm -hmm. you have a lot of interest in. Some of those, you know, practicum selections have interview rounds. Like you get to meet with the person that you might be working with, your mentors. You might have actual interviews like coding, some database questions, maybe some ML questions just to see how how you've been catching up to the program. So I would say be really good at what you want to do and... Put your best foot forward. So yeah. that really helps. Yeah. But yeah, treat treat it like a job hunt. But that, yeah. that's my For best sure. advice, yeah. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I um,
1: completely resonate with Guru's thoughts. And what I would like to add is that, uh, yeah, uh, I was also lucky to get my first choice. And the way I made my choices was that I went through the tech stack of every company that was pitched to us carefully. And I matched it what I already know. Because three months into the program, like uh, you are also new to the program, you're learning new things. And then if you choose a practicum with a tech stack you have never worked on, so the matching would be tough because neither will you be confident that you can do this. Neither the faculty which is making a match will be confident because at the end of the day, you have to set up a good impression in the practicum you're working because it's then only they want to come back and again hire the students. And another advice for the practicum is that a lot of students were bothered that does the practicum pay or not. And I totally understand that uh, because obviously you're living in a city which is expensive, the fees is a lot. And and if you are getting paid, then it's great. But then this, this payment will not make a very huge difference. So I would advise go with the practicum, which has a very good tech stack and is totally fitting to your profile because mm. it is then... If you don't enjoy the work and you are getting paid, it won't make any sense because when you're going on a job hunt a few months later, you won't be able to explain that, you know, what you did or get it onto your resume. So yeah, just think through it carefully and make uh, choices. Yeah, totally.
2: I I totally agree about that, right? Of course, it's nice to get paid always, but at the same time, you have to think about mm, the long run, run, right? Like, wait, you're going to get paid in this... you know, negligible compared to what you will in just one year when you graduate. And then also if, if picking the right practicum, even if it's not paid helps you get that job better or helps you get a higher salary in the, in where you end up, that's what, you know, is really going to matter.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I should say, um, me and Victor, Victor's our, um, director of Mm -hmm. partnerships. He's the one who brings in all these practicum companies. You know, it was both of ours first year doing matching. Of course, Diane was here, you know, Diane's the program director, so she, you know, she has years of experience in this, so of course she helped us out, but, you know, we definitely learned a lot like during that matching process, and we're already trying to think of ways we can, you know, make it even more seamless, but there's always going to be some pain because we're dealing with, you know, real companies, and mm-hmm. Guru, I know for you, you for sure, you had probably the longest Sort of the longest matching process out of every, every student simply because, you know, we're working with actual companies with, you know, real people at these companies who have their own lives, who are very busy, uh, things happen and things aren't always going to go according to plan. So,
3: yeah, I would, I would also say that, you know, before anyone is maybe thinking about even thinking of complaining about the practical process, you know, organizing a trip with 10 people is difficult. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> this is like trying to match forty different trips with ninety different people. Yes. And you get to do this weird pigeonhole problem. And <laughs> I think that's why people know sort of resort to machine learning algorithms to do this. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's difficult. And I, I also like to say that like, I think I didn't kind kind of hint at this, but the people who are doing this matching, they're also people, they're also yes. human. Yeah. So it's it's stressful for them also. Yes. You might be in a different kind of stress, but they have to make sure that they can satisfy 90 people yeah. or 100 people to the best that they can. Yeah. And yeah, as Robert said, there is always going to be a little bit of pain, but it's worth it. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Sure. Oh, over the years, it's going to be, oh, it's it's something that I got to work on. So I think I just want to circle back to Ruchel's point. Yes. Pick something that you might feel really comfortable working yes. at or really excited working for. Yeah. And he will be good.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it's not only about satisfying 100 students. You have to satisfy those companies too. Right. Because students will leave. But those you have to go back to those companies every year to yes. get new projects for the new students. Totally. Yes.
2: Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Yeah, maybe let's talk a little bit about any advice you would have to incoming students, either who are moving to the Bay Area or who are already here, but just trying to get the most out of the MSDS program, USF, you know, a okay. new <laughs> grad school and yes. maybe. Yeah. What do you what do you have to say to those people?
1: So first advice about the living situation because a lot of students have approached me about where to live and everything. So I would say uh, just don't pigeonhole yourself to living in SF that because you want to be close to the campus. You will come to the campus like three days a week because two days you'll be at your practicum. And mm-hmm. during the boot camp, it will be four days a week. So you can consider areas which are like 30 minutes from the BART. Right. Like you can consider San Leandro. I can totally vouch for it. Yeah, I like <laughs> because, San Leandro yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, and then you can consider... Uh, Areas in uh, South Bay like Fremont, Union City. I mean, the travel can be a little like 30 to 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. But then it will save you a lot of rent. And yeah, and you won't be concerned about safety things. Because a lot of students were concerned regarding the news and everything they read. So this is an advice for the living situation. Then another advice... If anyone is coming from a non computer science background, like I'm from a non computer science background, I would uh, suggest and advise them that keep practicing Python as much as you can. Mm. It will be really tough in the beginning. Yeah, because it was for me also, because like, writing a code, like you're working on certain problem, everything is there on stack overflow. So you must have worked on something in your previous organization. But then you were not writing the code on your own, like mm-hmm. you were referring to internet Stack Overflow and now that you have chat GPT, but mm-hmm. I would say mindfully write the program without referring to any resources. And if you get time on weekends, although I know it's tough to find time, <laughs> but if you can even practice like one lead code problem every week, that would be great. Right. This is an advice uh, for the course. And overall, I would say the course can get really stressful, but do not stress out. The faculty is really, really very supportive and helpful. I have got so much support and help from them. They're always ready to help you. So do not stress. Nothing bad will happen. Just keep going with the flow. Keep keep that consistency. That is very important. Just don't leave a pile of work for the weekend at, okay during the weekdays after class I want to chill no yeah definitely find time to relax and everything but then just complete the assignments as much before as you can do before the deadline just don't leave everything for the end this is my advice for the coursework and yeah guru what do you, what advice do you have
3: yeah I think crucial mm-hmm. touched upon the consistency point which is really really important and uh Yeah, for the oncoming cohort, I would say be really, really religious about the summer reading. Mm. I think uh, the course sends out a summer reading list for you to be prepared. That's right. I dismissed it as something (laughs) or just another email. But I went back to it when the boot camp started. So maybe before you come into the program, try to be religious about it. Get your, you know, concepts really brushed up. Um, do not dismiss the linear algebra course. <laughs> yes, um, yes. <laughs> it is. It is designed to be uh, simple. You can clear it. Well, it might seem a little daunting, but it's definitely the most foundational, fundamental thing that you can learn. Yes. So,
0: well, Cody's updating that class. Yeah, so no. he's working year, on making so. yeah, it less yeah. simple <laughs> and, and more daunting. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I'm just yeah. yeah a but, more topics, but <laughs>
1: yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, the. the, the Sorry, but just one thing, like that course is really important for Cody's ML advanced class. Mm-hmm. And I think I was able to perform in that class because I got my basics cleared <laughs> during yes. the linear algebra bootcamp totally. class. Yeah,
3: so the the pre-bootcamp linear algebra or during the bootcamp, however, it's going to be structured. Do not dismiss it off. It It can be a little daunting, but you have to get that set in. I know a lot of, you know, some of my fellow classmates, Batchmates in my cohort went back to the linear algebra course when Cody's uh, ML class started because yes. you cannot for the love of it clear it without having the mathematical background. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. So yeah, that's one really important piece of advice. And yeah, I think consistency again. So the bootcamp is designed to mimic the strict or maybe I would not say strict the hectic schedule that you might be going on having to go through for the next one year. So if you can get used to the bootcamp schedule, you should be good. Yes. Maybe, maybe don't do what I did. Do all the assignments, like on the day that it was released, that's going to give you a lot of stress, but try to pace it out so that you get to learn it Mm -hmm. and then do it within the deadline. I used to try to clear it off so that I can have a little bit of me time during the weekends. It doesn't help. Like it doesn't help at all. I I used to get a lot of stress because I wanted to complete this as well as go party with my friends. Yeah. And then during the party, I used to be thinking about, oh, this Cody's assignment was really, really, you know, tough. So what <laughs> should I do about it? And you don't get to have fun either way. So I I think it's better to stick to learning when you're good to learn and then party yeah. when you actually have time. Yeah. The other piece of advice maybe is to take some stress away from the course. By actively participating in some of those fun events that Diane, I, Aline, they are yeah. organized throughout the year. Yes. Do not miss them. Try not to miss any of them. I missed a few. I think I regret it. I feel a lot of FOMO now that I look back at it. <laughs> yeah, so don't miss it. You will get to know your cohort better. You can, you know, unwind, relax a little bit. Yes, I agree. Also participate in other events all around SF. So even if you live in the city, live outside the city, there are always a lot of events, conferences, meetups yes. happening throughout the year. I think I got onto it a little bit too late. But yeah, try to participate in all of that so that you build your network f- from early on. And um, yeah, again, coming back to Rishul's point, just keep coding. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. never, right. never get out of the coding cycle. Try to keep touching those you know, coding practices, try to learn. If you're new to coding, that's fine. I know a lot of people in my cohort who are new to coding, but they are really excellent right now. Just keep practicing assignments, keep learning. Having a learner's mindset is definitely the only strong advice that anybody can give, I, th- I think. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, Yeah. few other advices I have is that for SQL, you will just have a one credit course. But do not ignore SQL. It's a very important part of data science. Very important part of all your data scientist interviews. And uh, yeah, you need to keep practicing SQL. And the next advice I have is that concentrate extra in Robert's and Cody's ML class. Because (laughs) those are the concepts you will be tested upon in your interviews. I spoke to like few of my classmates and they said that these two classes have been really important as far as the interviews and go. we are
3: not just saying because we are on their podcast yeah yeah
1: yeah it's like uh irrespective uh, of the podcast i would have said that because uh, yeah those like nobody asks you the advanced things they just touch on the basic things and in fall module one we cover the basic of ML as well as the practical applications of it. So that is very important. And yes, as said by Guru, you need to take time to kind of unwind and relax and kind of have everything balanced, which is a little tough. But then if you clear boot boot camp, I think you're good with the rest of the year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think that's a great advice, right? Yeah. Make sure you can do the boot camp. And then once you got it from there, you, you're in a routine, right? You, yes. You know yes. what to expect. Yes. Yeah. So, wonderful. wonderful yeah awesome yeah i think that's great maybe should we wrap it up yeah awesome okay well it was it was really a great pleasure to have both of you Rishi and guru and yeah i'm looking forward to see what, what comes next for you guys yes. and um yeah, of course, yeah stay in touch
0: yeah I definitely <laughs> want to invite you back yes
2: yes for sure, yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we see would like to come
1: here uh, maybe a year later to tell that how every time anytime, anytime. Yeah, yeah panned out for us like totally. the job and everything yeah
2: wonderful all right thanks cool yeah see you next time
0: yep
1: (laughs) thank you for having us Yeah, yeah of course yeah